I want to apologize right away for the terrible acoustics. This is one reason I haven't been doing podcasts. Um, I've been focusing on code. And I will be at a place where I'm, I'm ready to do recording and stuff again. But um, sometimes important things need to be said without uh, wonderful acoustics. So you want to listen to stuff important, you can't wait for it to sound pretty. I have not done a podcast in way too long. And I haven't forgotten. I haven't quit. I've been busy. Oh, boy. Uh, no, software is getting to a point where I'm going to be... I, I just needed time to wrap it up. Some things need time. You know, some things need time. But it's Independence Day. And a Taiwanese friend asked me what, you know, oh, yeah, July 4. This is an Ameri- This is America's birthday. He said, happy birthday. But I, I began explaining uh, sort of the history and, you know, what all that means uh, to Americans. And it can't help but come up that uh, typically American Independence Day is a white holiday. Uh, Well, no, hold on. You're not going to get the typical, you never get the typical view from me. You never get the view from me you'll get from anybody else. I'll tell you the punchline. The punchline is ongoing. That's the punchline ongoing. Well, you know, I, I, I started by explaining to him, I said, you know, black people look back at 1776 and uh, 1789 at 1800. They don't see a difference. Then it just, slavery just continues. They don't, they don't see what's being celebrated here. They don't, they don't have anything to celebrate. It's pretty much a white holiday. It's, it's, it's white people's independence day. Well, you know, and arguably, you know, the black man is, is Independence Day, January 1, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation. Or is it June 1, 1863, uh, with the river raid led by Harriet Tubman? Or is it, uh, well, the Civil Rights Law? Is it 1965? Um, has it ever come? This is a question. So I went back and explained to my Taiwanese buddy, the pilgrims. We went back to 1620. And I said, look, look at the map. Look at the globe. Britain is here. The, the pilgrims had, had been over in, around in the Netherlands for 10 years. Didn't work out. They got a uh, speedwell wasn't working. They took the Mayflower. So they're coming right along the Canadian coast. They're not crossing around the middle of the Atlantic. They're going up through ice territory and they're coming down and they wanted to go to Jamestown where there was a British military base already established, but winter was coming. Wind was kicking up. It was dangerous. Waters are shallow. And so they stopped at Cape Cod and uh, did some exploration, decided to, to stop and say, we've got to settle here. We, we're not going to make it. And, uh, you know, Plymouth Rock was the big rock that they, they uh, uh, lit their boat from. And they left Britain so they could be free. Because in the old world, in Europe, Britain, all people were slaves of their crown. And they didn't like being slaves of the crown, even with the European reformations, you know, Christians leaving the Catholic Church, the government still controlled what was preached on Sunday. 
they didn't want to be slaves on Sunday either. They wanted to be free both politically and with Bible. So they wanted a new world. And up in the north, those Christian pilgrims, a half were Christian, half weren't. They did not want slaves. They wanted nothing to do with slavery. They didn't want to be slaves. They didn't want to have slaves. Well, it said we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. They weren't slaves. They didn't, that, th those in the north were not in love with slavery. They, the pilgrims founded the north that fought against slavery. Okay. After the American Civil War, uh, people in the north wanted the country to not have slavery, but it was going to continue. This is a very evil thing. And those in the North knew these, these idiots in the South, we fought off the crown, but they want to keep slavery going. That's what we ran away from. So they were cunning and smart and they, they gave us the tools so that 80 years later, uh, the American Civil War would eventually happen. They, they, the North set it up for that. They sabotaged the country so that slavery wouldn't, wouldn't be able to continue. But it took a long time. So 1765 uh, was when, remember the Stamp Act? You know, the, the people in the American colonies had been living free and they didn't like being told what to do. And Britain wanted their slaves. Everybody, you know, the, the British crown, this evil royal family in Britain viewed all people as its slaves. And uh, 18, 1765, that started. 1775, uh, the, the British uh, went and shot a bunch of Americans and killed some people. And that's when uh, the Americans, you know, got fed up. 1776, they just signed the declaration. We hadn't won yet. That's the thing. 1776 was not the end of the war. It was the declaration of it. But at the time that we declare and start the war, that's when we consider our independence. But this war, even the war itself had to be fought. It was not the end. It was the beginning both for the revolution and to end slavery. 1865, there was a war that was won. Slavery was done away with. But racism, segregation wasn't. It wasn't the end. It was the beginning. It was another beginning, another step. 1865 was not the end. It wasn't zero progress either. It was another step. And, and that's the thing that I keep seeing everywhere I work uh, in, in all the things that I'm going through in my life here in Taiwan, there's always another step. And there's been this assumption that I grew up with. I, you know, you don't know what you assume. You just assume it. If you know that you assume it, then it's not really an assumption. So we assume, of course, without thinking, by definition, that, uh, you know, freedom for America is freedom for all people. We, we, we in white America, that's me, we, we, we live with this presumption and don't know it, of course. Um, we look at the Civil War, we look at civil rights. Okay, it's done now. Next time. Okay, it's done now. Okay, it's finished. Okay, it's finished. Obama, black president. Okay, it's finished. Um, I, I don't want to get into the politics of Obama, but there was a lot of, okay, we've had our first black president. It's like, and Limbaugh said, no, 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 it's just going to keep going. And I don't want to get into the whole discussion. Um, but from the black man's perspective, from civil rights, uh, but Tupac said it. 
I'll quote him. Still, I see no changes. And, and so it, it's like the fight for liberty for all men is ongoing. And white America has lived very comfortably thinking, ah, we got our freedom. We're a free country. No, you got to wake up and fight for it every day. There's always some evil rich guy trying to bribe or control government. So much money and power goes through government. So government's always the target of the bribery and the corruption. It's not that government itself is corrupt. It's that government is the primary victim of corruption because the bad guys want to control and enslave society by messing with the government. That's why we hold government accountable. Government is not inherently good or bad. Government is the target of corruption because of the great coffers of tax dollars and of law. Everything goes through government. And so the people have to hold its government in constant, constant check, constant accountability. And, and we're watching America deteriorate, frankly, because America got lazy and relaxed. They didn't care about their fellow man, the black man. It took, it took uh, you know, a hundred years from, from uh, our independence, 1765, 1776, 1789, Bill of Rights, that, those two decades plus. It took time from there to the Civil War, another hundred years, civil rights, still not finished. It took all that time. And through that, so much white America was, well, we're a free country. What's your problem? And they got comfortable and they didn't wake up and fight for their freedom or their fellow man's every day. And it's coming back to them. It's coming back to get them. It's coming back. Well, I'm over here in Taiwan and I think I'm going to address uh, this maybe more uh, in, in the days and weeks ahead. But I'm, I'm, you know, Taiwan treats Americans like garbage. Trump said so last month. May, May 25th, he told Fox Business. So things are going to be heating up with that. Um, you know, I, look, I, I wrote this article maybe about a year ago uh, about how Taiwan and my experience in Taiwan helped me understand what uh, black America goes through, what the black man goes through. I mean, nothing's ever the same. It, it can't possibly be. But the concept of systemic racism or systemic poverty or that, that, that the injustice is embedded into the system, okay? I, I, I will never even pretend to say that I understand the severity. Um, I, to tell you what, being in Cabrini-Green every single day for four years through college, uh, that, that woke me up to a lot for sure. But um, I, I, I'm still not gonna, I, I can see something, but that's not experiencing it. But I do get, I have seen and experienced systemic uh, segregation where, where the injustice comes from the system. It's a real thing and you, you cannot see it. You cannot witness it. You can only experience it. If, if you've never experienced it, the people who talk about it are just, um, it, it's, it's like they're speaking a foreign language. It just sounds like white noise when they describe it. it, it in fact, it's almost like you're, when, when, when someone is describing systemic injustice, where, where the, the, the injustice 
comes from a system, uh, a culture, society, law, um, customs, whatever, tradition, uh, thinking, ways of thinking, worldview, uh, societal opinions, groupthink, etc. When the injustice comes through a system, and you're not part of the, you don't, you don't receive the injustice. When those who receive the injustice talk about it, it's, and you're listening, it, it, I've been there. It's like, it's like my brain turned off. It's like, I don't even remember the conversation. It's like the person's talking. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like I go into this trance and the person finishes and then I wake up and I'm like, what just happened? When someone's describing the inside of systemic injustice to you, you're not able to hear them. I don't, I, it makes me wonder if it's really, if, if there's a lot more going on here than just systems, if it's spiritual and the system is a way to mask it. You know, if, if they're, they're, there's bad demons or whatever trying to make stuff happen and they use the system and then they go turn off people's brains so that they can't hear the calls for help. There's a lot of deep stuff going on. Um, I, you know, I, I want to say something. People even say that the Bible endorses slavery. It doesn't. The Bible recognizes the reality of slavery. <laughs> but Jesus got up and he said, I've come to proclaim release to the captives. Um, slavery was an ugly reality of ancient society. They didn't have employment. And in fact, they had bond servants. Many people wanted to be slaves to their masters because that was the only way to have a job. People, people didn't understand anything else. And, and you're going to go off alone? You'll, you'll be killed by morning. You know, it's the, 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 even then, um, dare I say that the type of slavery in the Bible was probably very different from the type of slavery uh, that, that, uh, that we've seen, I don't know, in, in, in black America or in Egypt. Egypt was far worse. Um, but the type of common slavery, like, you know, maybe you could say Abraham had slaves or, you know, the New Testament talks about slaves. Um, that's a very different scene than Egypt or uh, Southern America plantations, etc. Um, they're not they're not necessarily all the same. I'm not trying to justify things. It's all wrong. But if we really want to go all the way, employment is wrong. There shouldn't be employment. Every man should work for himself. We all be contractors. I mean, 100, 200 years into the future, we're going to look back. People will look back at, at, at our ideas and say, well, you talked about giving your employees, you know, good wages. How dare you have employees? Who do you think you are? And that's what the people 200 years from now are going to say about us. Now, don't stand in judgment over history. But evil is, of course, evil. And, and we're used to the evil we have. Slavery was normal to people during the times of slavery, whether they were slaves or slave masters. In our day, this evil that we call employment is uh, normal to us. And in the future, we'll look back and see that as a horrible injustice because it, it's, it's nowhere near what we can truly become. It's ongoing. The fight for freedom is ongoing. And we always have to increase more and more freedom. And you can't let yourselves get lazy. You can't let, I can't let myself get lazy. Um, sorry, that came out wrong. You can't, we can't let ourselves, we must not let ourselves get, get lazy. We, we can, we let ourselves get lazy way too often. And ultimately, um, America is decaying because of laziness, because of comfort. People thought it was over. And 
and and then there's the critique. It's like it never started. It's like I mean I don't think Tupac was arguing that that there was never progress and that that nothing ever started. I don't think he was arguing that. He was arguing that there hasn't been a change. We haven't seen visible results. It's the same garbage just continues. Just we call it something different. Um, you know the, the 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 daily fight keeps moving. You, you get an inch, you get some progress. But you you don't reach an end. You reach the next fight, and every single day you got to get up and keep going at it. Well, uh, being in Taiwan, I saw the, the systemic problems. Taiwan, or excuse me, t- Taiwan comes from the old governments of China, and um. They, they really are slave masters uh, in China. Uh, em- employers have this, this horrible attitude toward their own people. Teachers, parents, um, you know, I, I, I tell you the stories. I, I recently met a pastor who, um, his, his dad was a doctor during Chiang Kai-shek's era, uh, just after they, they'd run away from the Chinese, uh, the other Chinese, um, took all the gold from China, kidnapped the kids in school, put them on a boat, came to Taiwan, <laughs> outlawed Taiwan's language, said you have to speak this, this foreign language of the mainland, find local Taiwanese parents if their children spoke their own language, the only language they knew in school. Everyone had to speak Chinese. Um, even even, even Ch- Taiwanese will, will refer Chinese as Mandarin. There isn't Mandarin Chinese. It's, that's redundant. Mandarin is Chinese. Um, all others are not dialects of Chinese. They're other. They're Cantonese is Cantonese. Taiwanese is Taiwanese. Um, Chinese is Mandarin, coterminous, interchangeable. Okay, you know, in case you didn't know. I don't like Mandarin Chinese. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, they say, well, so is Putonghua, is Zongwama, is, 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 is Mandarin Chinese? And they'll say, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's if I say Chinese, I mean, I mean Mandarin, you know. Um, I don't mean any other language. It's the the language of China. Okay, so you know he outlawed the local language. He changed the law almost every day. Nobody knew what the law was. Uh, what it killed what twenty thousand people? I, Chiang Kai Shek was an evil, wicked man, and he promised all of his friends and soldiers who couldn't read or write that if they took jobs as teachers and and police officers that they would be well paid forever. Well, so. You know, they, they, they fired all the good Taiwanese teachers and had these illiterate soldiers as their new teachers. So they just become bossy. And then the children have to grow up for three, maybe four generations now, listening to teachers when the students know more than the teacher does. And they get punished for thinking otherwise, essentially enslaving their own people. And now you've got these old retiring police officers who aren't quite to retirement and they're drawing enormous pensions. And they get enormous salary for doing nothing. And that has its grip on Taiwan and it, it has a deep state. I'm not going to go into all the details, but um, recently I was given a traffic fine without evidence. Uh, the police on the body cams, uh, the police behaved ridiculously. Um, I mean, there's nothing terribly horrible, but they don't want to be filmed. And that was obvious. When police officers are on duty out in the field, you can film them anytime, period. That's called transparency. It's civil rights. Taiwanese police don't want that. 
and they got royally upset. And I, I, I appealed, which, which is to a secret committee. You don't know who it is. It's a secret judge. You're not going to the magistrate. You're not going to a judge. There's this secret court that handles your appeals and, and processes your applications for all kinds of things. Nobody knows who it is in Taiwan. Yeah, I, I'm not joking. Taiwan's run by a secret government. And, and I'm seeing that. I'm getting the papers to prove it all over the place. I got it from immigration. Oh, yeah, this is a thing. And I said, I'm not paying under any circumstances unless I get that body cam footage from those police officers. Uh, so seven, six, six, seven months later, um, they got the address wrong too. They, they wrote the, my, wrong, my, my wrong address on, on the, the traffic fine. So I'm like, that's sloppy police work. What else did they get wrong? Show me evidence. He said, no, you're going to go pay. And, and they, they refused to provide video evidence that, that this traffic violation happened. And they refused uh, to provide the body cams from the police officers. That's secret police. That's secret government. That's secret, secret court. That is not uh, civil liberties. That is not democracy. And Taiwan is marketing itself to America as a democracy with civil liberties. This is, this is a big thing. And um, I, so I've, I've got some time to pay this and uh, I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to handle this, but I'm probably going to handle it more like a reporter. Uh, I, I want to get the rest of the story. I want to I find out fully what, what the here is going on, as they say in, in the good place or the bad place. So um, see Trump... It, it was it was about a little over a month ago. It was May May twenty five this year. He said, I was talking to the, to, to, to the British guy on Fox Business. Um, uh, now very London accent, by the way. Um, that, that that British guy, he, you know, he's on Fox Business and and uh, he says, well, you know, so, so Mr. President, what do you think we should do about Taiwan? And, and, and he says, well, you know, it's uh, they're a long ways away. They're three thousand miles. They don't treat us fairly. Uh, they, they, you know, TSMC, very expensive. They don't treat us fairly. Uh, they're, so we should uh, leave it as a maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, after all, they're so far away. Trump's walking back his support for Taiwan. He signed into law this, this Taiwan Relations Act. I do believe that was Trump. I, I'm not sure that was Obama. Um, Trump did all this stuff with Taiwan, took a, took a phone call from President Tsai Ing-wen, um, all, all kinds of stuff happened, uh, being friendly with Taiwan. And now he's walking that back and saying Taiwan's been unfair. Um, I've been writing letters. I've been having conversations with immigration. I've been talking to Taiwan's government saying, you're not treating people fairly and you need to give me a happy ending to my story as evidence that you're fair. And they wouldn't do it. And I've got that documented. So I've, I've got, I've got a lot of, uh, I, I've got a lot. Uh, that I've seen. And speaking of Independence Day, the ongoing fight for freedom, um, you have to fight for freedom in your own territory. You know, I just, I just watched the movie Harriet. I've, I've been living under a rock. I didn't know. I did, did you know Dune came out in the movie theaters and I didn't know? I've been busy finishing computer code. I'm, I'm, I've got these enormous software projects and I've been wrapping them up. It's amazing, but I'm not done. Um, I get this done. I get that done. I get this done. I get progress on that. You know, software is ongoing, but I've got to get it to a release point and I'm getting there. That's going to be exciting. So eventually I'm I'm going to come out of my software cocoon and I'm going to be in a place that sounds nice and I will continue these podcasts and and keep you posted and and, and keep things going. 
Uh, there's a lot more that I haven't decided as far as what to do about uh, what Taiwan's uh, this nonsense with Taiwan. Um, we will see. We will see. So uh, until then, remember, uh, yeah, you know, freedom is an ongoing thing. It, 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 the Declaration of Independence was a declaration. It was, it was, it was the middle of the war. It was just a declaration. And, you know, when Israel left Egypt, that was just the beginning. You know, they, they had to go through the desert. They had, they had to go fight. There's a lot that we still have. You know, it, it never stops. It never stops. Um, one last point was education, um, even in, 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 in slaves becoming free in America, education was a big deal. Um, you know, uh, the, the former black slaves, I hate saying that, it just really bothers me. Former black slaves wanted their children to get an education. It was very important. They wanted their children to be able to read. They, they you know, ultimately they were slaves because they couldn't read. Um, you know, freedom comes through education. And I see that a lot in Taiwan. So many, so many people in Taiwan have have limited options because they don't know English. So I, I help overcome that. Um, all right, yeah, just just a thought. A, a lot of a lot of liberty comes through education. I don't know if you knew this or not. Hip hop culture. Hey, go watch Hip Hop Revolution as a Netflix series. Um, the the you know hip hop culture. This is just fascinating. Ultimately, hip-hop culture probably begins with, with the Underground Railroad movement. Um, you know, oh yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't start in the 1970s. Hip-hop culture goes, goes along. You need to go, go research it. But um, the, the, typically, the four elements of hip-hop culture are graffiti, the MC, uh, b-boy, dance, um, and then, uh, did I say the DJ? The DJ, MC, oh, graffiti, and 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 street dancing. Okay, or break breaking, uh, b boy dance. There's several types of street dancing. There's locking was the first, um, and then came popping, and and then breaking. Okay, and hip hop came later. It's a, it's a later style. Okay, these are typically considered the four elements of hip hop. Actually, the fifth element is knowledge, and and kind of the guardians of hip hop culture are Zulu Nation. Uh, which, which again was started by Americans uh, in in Brooklyn uh, to try to get the gangs to stop fighting. Some DJ, you know, hip hop music was just beginning as this local thing. There, there, it wasn't on the radio. There, you couldn't go buy CDs or they didn't have CDs. You couldn't buy records, albums of it. They just, you know, they'd have a local party, and then this one guy would make the special music you couldn't buy anywhere, and that was how the music started. And one of the DJs said, I got it, you know, all the gangs loved him because they loved his parties. And so he decided to get the gangs together. And eventually he started uh, Zulu Nation. And that's a major leader in, in hip hop culture today. There's still a lot. Go look up, go look up hip hop revolution. Anyhow, and, and consider comparing that to uh, Harriet, movie Harriet, and uh, consider that, you know, Harriet Tubman, I mean, she first freed herself and then she freed 70 slaves. And then she led... Uh, a company of, of black soldiers of 150, twice the number of soldiers that she freed in, in, in her lifetime as a conductor of the Underground Railroad, over twice the size of a company, 
freed 750 slaves, freeing 10 times the amount of slaves, more than that, and she freed in the Underground Railroad. And that, that really was one more vital uh, uh, brick in the wall uh, for, for winning the Civil War, ending slavery. And she started with herself. She had to free herself first. And every single person mattered. Think on that. It never ends. See you next time and probably sounding better.